0: Hi, I'm Marlon Walker and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland and today I have something a little bit different for you guys. Um, I So my my good friend Che Webster of Roleplay Rescue does a thing that um, I think used to be on the, the main podcast and then now he just releases it for uh, people on Patreon. Um, but he does a, a thing where he basically does what he calls a GM's journal and it's a a sort of journal episode of um, what's been going on with him over the course of a week or so. Um, It's kind of about what is uh, going on and what he's thinking about and all of that sort of stuff um, over the course of a week and then release it weekly and all that sort of stuff. Um, And I thought that would be kind of a fun uh project in some ways or not necessarily a project but a a fun practice i guess um I, i sort of thought that might be um useful for me for a couple reasons to try doing something like that um part of it being that i feel like that would be a good way for me to um kind of have that sort of material, um, not necessarily quarantined, but um, uh, in sort of one section or one episode, rather than having it just sort of willy nilly wherever it ends up uh, seeming to fit. Um, And that seems like a, a thing that might be good. And that way, we can have kind of more more focused episodes that are about kind of, you know, the the sort of ideas or or um, discussion of like RPGs and stuff, um, and then have the journal episodes as the ones where I sort of talk about what's going on with me, and that might be kind of a fun uh, thing to do uh, in part for anyone who. Um, doesn't necessarily want to uh listen to both that they could listen to one or the other which i assume would be listening to um the the normal episodes and not the journal episodes Although i guess if you wanted to listen to the journal episodes and not the kind of rpg theory episodes you could um but anyway um so yeah, that was sort of my idea, um, and it uh, has not quite been as expected. My my sort of thought was to do these episodes um, every uh, – or, or do – release the episodes on Saturdays and then also have um, – whatchamacallit, the – the kind of, um, recordings every, every or every other evening, basically, um, five or 10 minutes every day or two, probably in the evenings, um, just as much as anything, because I am, uh, not playing in as many evening games right now. And also because I, um, what, what was I going to say? Um, because i feel like i record often in the mornings and it might be a, a kind of um thing uh yeah a, a kind of a, a thing to do i guess is the way to put it um so anyway i i kind of thought that would be an interesting thing to do um so yeah that's that's sort of the idea right now is um every day or every other day, which 10 minutes every day would be 70 minutes, um, which is probably a little long when you add in uh, an intro and an outro, cause that's gonna be more like 80. Um, but if it's more like 10 minutes every other day or five minutes every day or whatever, it seems like that would be um, kind of totally in keeping with a, a sort of appropriate amount of time for a podcast episode. So anyway, that's, uh, that's what this episode is going to be. Um, I guess we'll have to see going forward if this uh, is what I end up wanting to do long term. Um, che has done it for a long time now. He's on the, the one that released uh, yesterday was GM's Journal 131, so a long time doing this sort of thing. So I, I can only aspire to that sort of consistency. But anyway, um, yeah, I thought I'd do this at least for today and maybe for a while and we'll see. All right. It is uh, Thursday morning, Thursday, the 12th of May. Um, and I am recording today um, because I have not been recording the previous couple of days. Um, which is to say specifically that I, uh, if you remember from the episode that uh, you guys presumably have listened to, if you're keeping up with Live from Panama's Wasteland, but that uh, goes live in a couple of hours for me when i'm recording i got um, the second covid vaccine booster on tuesday morning Um, i was feeling all right for most of tuesday until kind of the evening and then had a sort of uh collapse (laughs) essentially i started getting a, a really bad uh, headache and um, I was at about maybe 7 pm and I ended up kind of crawling into bed and taking some Tylenol and doing my best to try to sleep it off. Um, and then yesterday uh, on on Wednesday I felt very bad. Um, I uh, was a, a whole kind of series of things but basically I felt uh, really sore all over. And I had bad uh, headaches, both kind of the, the kind of classic sinus headache and also sort of the all around pressure headache right over kind of um, around, not just kind of on the, the front like I get often with sinus stuff and kind of on the cheekbones, but also sort of across the side of my head. Um, and that was very uncomfortable um, and I was uh, woozy and and did not have very much energy um, and was sore and uh, felt like uh, dizzy. Basically, every time I kind of stood up, that kind of wooziness and, and that sort of feeling of, um, for lack of a better term, the sort of... Uh, I don't know how common this is in other people, but sometimes, especially when I have a very bad sinus infection. Um, there's a sense of kind of like standing up and feeling almost like stuff in my head is sort of sloshing around. That kind of wooziness, a little bit like what I imagine trying to walk with uh, a, a jar of water balanced on your head is. If you are one of those people who is not good at walking smoothly, the way I am not good at walking smoothly. Um so it was pretty awful yesterday. Um, and I uh definitely um, was not feeling very good. I ended up basically spending most of the day kind of um, alternating between um, crawling out of bed to eat something and to drink some water and then crawling back into bed and uh, lying in bed either half asleep or fully asleep, um, watching stuff on YouTube sometimes or listening to stuff or just sleeping or whatever. Um, very very little kind of productivity although I guess at the end of the day I got a little more productive Um, and I also I uh, at one point did a little bit of research um, because I was sore and uncomfortable and uh, one suggestion was to have a, a warm bath or a hot bath because that will uh you know, uh, dilate all of your, your arteries and veins and capillaries and stuff and get the blood moving a little better. And that the, the heat, will feel likely soothing on the muscles. Um, don't want to get too hot because you can, you know, overheat your internal temperature that way. Although, um, my internal body temperature, I think I've mentioned on here is, uh, generally about two degrees Fahrenheit lower than a normal person's. So I was less worried about that. Um, But anyway, I um, did that kind of early afternoon, uh, a a warm bath and just sort of sat in the bathtub and counted and hung out. And that felt really nice. Um, And then when I got out, I put on not just one pair of socks, but a second pair of socks too. And that was really good. I have um, when I, I took a sort of uh, as a graduation present from college one of my grandmothers uh said that she wanted to take me on a trip and i think i've talked about this before um but we ended up going um to the uk Um, we actually flew into dublin and then went across the irish sea to wales and then went kind of down the um the, the west coast of wales looking at castles and hanging out and it was wonderful and then went kind of once we got to the bottom because obviously you, you can only go so far south um and then we turned uh east and went across the the southern coast of wales and then over kind of directly along into england um to uh through all the Welsh places and then over to Oxford and then over to London and then flew back from London. And it was about three weeks, maybe three and a half weeks. I don't remember precisely. It was was wonderful, super, super fun, um, hanging out with me and my grandmother, which was a lot of fun too. Um, just kind of hanging out and, um, she, uh, in particular, um, my grandmother, Susan is, uh, much more low-key than um some of my other grandmothers um and that was wonderful too because it was very like oh we'll just you know we had a couple of like uh specific places planned but also plenty of like hey there's you know this interesting thing in this area let's just go hang out there for you know half a day and we'll you know have a sort of relaxed morning, and then go hang out at, at a castle, and then, you know, have tea and biscuits in the afternoon, and then, oh, there's a bookstore nearby, so let's go hang on the bookstore for a little while, and very, very low-key, and, and fun, and, and really um, beautiful country, also um, very different than uh, at home in Texas, in a lot of ways, um, gloomy a lot of times, although not always. We had uh, one day in particular at uh, Harlech castle um, that it was bright and sunny. And there were probably more staff at the castle than there were kind of visitors at the castle. And it was awesome. It was, it was just about the prettiest day uh, Ever, as far as i'm concerned was, was so much fun anyway um on that trip what i was what i was getting to is that i got a pair of i think they were called um woolen hunting hose that are basically super super long socks that go up to uh i think they go a little above my knee actually but they don't stay kind of fully all the way up unless i put on something to to kind of hold them up um And um, they're a little thin in terms of being kind of the only sock layer often, Um, but putting on a a kind of one layer of thick wool socks and then those on top was great for an extra thick around kind of the foot and the ankle and then some kind of uh, low level kind of a little bit of of pressure and layer on my lower leg kind of along the calf, um, which helped a bit with Kind of soreness and all that sort of stuff. So that was good to have. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, did not get very much at all done. Um, kind of in the, the later part of Tuesday or yesterday, but I'm feeling much better today. Um, I'm still not a hundred percent. I'm, I'm, I can feel, um, I'm at probably about like 80% energy, which is not too bad, but, um, and then i've got uh some kind of stiffness and soreness still especially kind of in like all of the knuckle joints on my fingers and my toes and i don't know what that's from but that like the the knuckles on my my fingers and my toes feel really sore um not uncomfortable to move at all but just kind of a, a sort of steady kind of soreness um so i have no idea what that is from um i wonder if that's a you know a bit of inflammation or something as a side effect of the vaccine in those spots but anyway um, yeah feeling much better today and um, I think I'm gonna try to get some stuff done um, in particular I think I'm gonna go through and try to uh, switch out a lot of the images that I use for my, um, youtube channel with versions that do not have the sword in the stone icon um and uh you know definitely would like to uh tinker um with that a little bit so that it's uh you know all of the the things that are allowed and i i think i mentioned i have this idea to do some work on building my own icon um, or my own logo for the channel um, using Inkscape, um, which I think will work all right. Um, I've been uh, talking, I had been talking with an artist for doing some art for America the Multiverse, Um, which is a a solo series that I was playing on my YouTube channel. Um, But I have put that on pause for a little while um, because I think I need to sort of retool that uh, particular um, campaign a little bit. Um, But anyway, I ended up... uh, saying reaching out and when i kind of said hey i you know i don't think i really need this art anymore and they said oh that's great because i'm super busy with other stuff i did say okay well so um if i did like rough drafts of some logo stuff could i send them on to you and have you kind of tinker with them and polish them kind of do the the sort of brute force work on my end and then um have you just sort of take a look and and uh make it look good from there. Um, and they said that that would uh, probably be all right. We, we need to kind of figure out uh, a bit of the details on that. But um, anyway, I think that is gonna work well. Um, I think that's what I am going to do is um, I've got this program I think I mentioned called Inkscape, which is a vector drawing program. Um, and I actually still have my, my Wacom tablet, but I don't think I need to use it because I think what I'm gonna do is just find some good reference images to sort of trace over um, for the vector stuff. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I think that is uh, what I am gonna do. Um, so I guess we'll see how much I end up working on that sort of stuff today. Um, I'm kind of expecting to not get a whole lot done today in terms of, uh, you know, general productivity, but I think it would be okay if I, you know, it'd be great to get, you know, basically anything done and, uh, yeah, that's a whole, uh, fun thing. Um, so anyway, I think I'm going to go work on that for a little while. So yeah, Um, yeah, that's going to be the end of this uh, journal check-in. And I guess I will see uh, maybe this evening or maybe tomorrow evening, kind of Friday evening, talk about Thursday and Friday might be when I uh, check in next. All right, so uh, it is not Friday evening like I sort of expected. It's actually... Friday afternoon I was going to record something Friday morning and then got very busy so I didn't have time to do that so I'm recording this afternoon and if I sound different it is because I am on my phone actually um, lying in bed instead of at the computer on the nice microphone Um, so anyway all of that is to say that, uh, yeah, unusual for me, but I, um, I'm trying to embrace the idea of, you know, hop on and, and do a little bit of journal thoughts recording, not necessarily kind of uh, every day and not sort of as an obligation, but as kind of like an opportunity to talk for a minute when I have a few minutes of free time. Um anyway, so uh yeah, doing all right today. Um I felt mostly okay yesterday and then had a thing where um my my parents and my sister are much more heavily involved than I am in a, an organization here in town that is uh centered on the idea of kind of uh transportation Non, non-automobile transportation focusing on, you know, making streets that are safer and more accessible for people riding bicycles or pedestrians or using public transit or all of the different things. And, and especially with regard to designing streets in a way that um, prioritizes the safety of those people. Right. Because often streets are designed a lot more around um, automobile related needs or or automobile driver related um, values and needs. And that the idea is that that's not really right, especially when there's things you can do that are, um, you know, helpful for everybody. Right, which is basically to say, you know, one of the big things is like figuring out how to reduce speeds on places where higher speeds are more dangerous, right? And so having um, slightly narrower streets or streets that feel narrower that will cause drivers to feel like they are too narrow to go fast safely to slow down, even if they're not necessarily um, that narrow, that that is, for instance, a way to help make sure that people who are involved in crashes with cars um, survive those crashes right and the idea being that you know it's really just a matter of time right and anyway it's a whole complicated thing and, and part of the other idea is that you know when you have more accessibility for cyclists and pedestrians and public transit users and all of those, you know, people who uh, either do not drive or perhaps otherwise might be driving, that you make the road uh, safer and better for everybody who chooses to drive anyway, right? That, for instance, you know, if the buses are full of people, right, people need to get around, but those are people who aren't in their own cars, presumably. And so if you have a, a robust public transit system, you have less congestion on the streets for everybody who does choose to use a, to drive a car and all that and anyway it's a whole thing um, but basically the point is there was a, a volunteer event uh, last night and uh, I thought I was just fine and got there and after basically an hour of kind of setup, um, we I went with my mom and my sister and my dad was going to come from work Later, um, and it was about an hour of kind of setup time uh, there at the park to get everything ready for the event. Um, and we got there about an hour before the event, and I just kind of had a, a whole series of uh, discomfort, uh, health related issues, um, and uh, ended up having to flee back to my apartment essentially um, which was not so good, a little uh, certainly disappointing to not be able to help out with that and also uh, disappointing to um, you know, not be able to kind of keep to my commitments and um, all, And also you know, not so good to feel shitty enough that I needed to come home um, but you know it, it worked out okay and then I laid down for a while and ended up falling asleep for a little while and then woke up and then didn't get back to sleep after like, you know, maybe two and a half hours of sleep in kind of the late evening. I didn't sleep at all overnight, which is very strange for me. Um, especially because I don't really feel very tired today, but I also don't feel particularly manic. Um, which often when I am, uh, in a place where I feel like I don't need sleep, that is a, a function of having this kind of, you know, manic energy and all that. And I don't really feel like that right now. Um, I suppose there is perhaps a little bit of that going on. Um, I did put in a, an order with Amazon earlier today. So, you know, buying things is always a, a something associated, a behavior associated with that kind of creeping manic energy. But, you know, buying, $30 worth of medicine and earplugs is very different than buying, you know, a hundred dollars worth of RPG books that I already have PDFs of. So, you know, there's kind of something there. Um but the other big thing is that I uh read a fair bit yesterday. I say a fair bit, not not a whole lot. I read basically 20 pages of On the Marble Cliffs and Fifteen or twenty pages of *Distant Star* um, on the Marble Cliffs by Ernst Jünger, and *Distant Star* by Roberto Bolaño, um, both authors who have passed on. Bolaño uh, more recently than Jünger. Um, Jünger was a a veteran of the First World War, so he's been gone for a while. But Bolaño died in his I want to say in his late 40s or early 50s of uh, pancreatic cancer, if I remember correctly, um, or maybe liver cancer, I don't remember which, um, but of, of cancer of one of the internal organs that you can't live without, um, and uh, had a number of things published in his lifetime, and then a couple of things, and in fact, a couple of the, the most famous of his things are things that were published after his death from... Pu- published posthumously from incomplete uh, drafted manuscripts that were then kind of edited by his editors, which is an interesting thing because almost everything that he published in life was pretty short. Um, and then the, the two big ones are um, The Savage Detectives and 2666, Um, Both of which are much, much longer than anything that he published in life. And so there's some discussion about, well, you know, were these ever kind of intended by Bologna to be like a a single, you know, doorstopper novel that's like 800 pages long? Or were they sort of, you know, bits and pieces that he had kind of together to keep track of, but that probably if he had uh, lived longer would have turned into you know, four or five much, much slimmer volumes that would have some relationship to each other but wouldn't be kind of a a sort of single big piece like this Um, which is kind of an interesting thing I don't know that much about um, Bolaño's kind of process of writing so I don't think I can really speak that much to kind of what he might have intended with those manuscripts if he had not uh, died but Anyway, it is kind of an interesting discussion, apparently, in the the circles of people who are fans of Roberto Bolaño's work, um, which is itself a a kind of fun thing. I'm a big fan of Roberto Bolaño, although there is an element of Roberto Bolaño, like uh, a number of the authors that I really like, kind of all of his books are sort of, you know, the same sort of material, just kind of uh, mixed up in a slightly different way right in the same way that kind of uh, just about all Cormac McCarthy books to me feel like kind of you know a mix of the same sort of stuff mixed up a little bit differently for the particular book but that there's you know and there's there's you know definitely differences between different specific McCarthy books but that you know you can tell kind of all of the different sort of things that are central to Cormac McCarthy as a, a, a producer of written works, fabulous written works, but written works that have these kind of uh, clear, consistent thematic elements um, in particular, and, and even on the level of kind of like, you know, recurring uh, symbolism and motifs and things like that, and, you know, all of that sort of stuff is kind of an interesting thing because I think there are other writers who don't do that nearly as much and it's kind of interesting the sort of the sort of writers who kind of go over retread the same ground a lot versus the sort of writers who kind of do these sort of wildly different things and I don't know why different writers do those sorts of things but who knows anyway but I read um, I guess thirty or forty pages um, of. Uh, fiction, I guess both novellas, but um, literary fiction, essentially, maybe even literature, depending on your definitions, Um, which was wonderful. Really, really great. Um, Felt really good to do that. Um, And I, I think that has to do with the idea of habits and the way that habits... Um, especially habits that are sort of coping mechanisms can become themselves sort of a trigger for what they were a coping mechanism for. Um, and I, I want to do a, a longer episode on that subject, but I guess the, the short version of that is that I think it is fair to say that um, the several years that I read so, so much, um, part of why I read so much was because I was so... Uh, deeply depressed, and that reading a whole lot was essentially a a coping mechanism for me, and that as a result, after I started um, taking antidepressants to to deal with some of that on a a medical level, um, that I have not read nearly as much. Um, Now, I did, I mean, like last year, I think I read like 40 books over the year. I would have to check Goodreads to make sure but something like that, which is, you know, not nothing, but 40 books and, you know, 10,000 pages or something, 11,000 pages is uh, significantly less than I have read in previous years. Um, And I think that part of the point of that is that I um, sort of feared to uh, kind of summon up that, kind of depressed experience by going back to reading that much um, and that I've kind of finally come around to the idea of you know if I really deeply love reading and I do that what I need to do is figure out how to um, sort of relearn to read not in the sense of like you know Seeing the text on the page and understanding it and interpreting it, but in the sense of like this sort of habit of opening up a book and, and sticking with it and enjoying that experience and having that be a a positive thing in my life. And that, you know, there is a way in which those coping habits, those, those kind of ways that you deal with things in your life become a thing that can maintain the things that they were meant to deal with. Right, um, which is a complicated thing, um, and I'm running out of time in the sense that I said I was going to try to do ten minute call-ins, ten minute check-ins. I guess not call-ins, and I'm at fourteen minutes on this segment. Um, but there's uh, been been reading and uh, listening to some kind of lecture and podcast stuff on YouTube, um, in particular about the idea of sort of the, the relationship between uh, behavior and, and especially kind of physical behavior and habits and kind of neurological elements um, that is really fascinating and I think really ties into that. Um, but I think part of the point that I'm, I'm getting at is that in the same way that I sort of am trying to relearn or restructure or or redefine a number of my habits to be things that are going to be good for me, um, and not things that are going to be bad or especially things that are kind of easy, but, um, are not necessarily good that I am, you know, I, I, I think I need to put some work in on reading on that front too, essentially. Um, so yeah, that's sort of what's going on with me. Um, And, uh, I'm gonna try to call in this evening, if not this evening, I guess maybe tomorrow morning, um, to put this episode out Saturday sometime. I guess if it, depending on when I record another section, it may come out more like Saturday afternoon instead of Saturday morning, but that's not a big deal. I mean, I don't think that matters a lot in the scheme of things, so, um... Yeah, I'm in this section here, and uh, I will talk to you in just a moment from hours or perhaps even a day later. Alright, so I am uh, once again on the phone, um, and there's a fair bit of noise outside, um, owls and stuff hooting. I don't know why, it's, uh, I, I live fairly close to my parents, maybe a, a mile or a mile and a half. Away, Probably closer to a mile, but it's more like a mile and a half walking the distance because you can't go as the crow flies. Um, and there's at least like one or two owls in their neighborhood. And I guess there are some here too. It's uh, early Saturday morning, 7 a.m. or so. And so I didn't want to record inside my apartment for fear of making enough noise that would disturb anyone else who lives in my apartment building. Um, but I figure, you know, out walking on the street, not likely to do that. So anyway, um, as suspected, I did not get a chance to record last night. Um, I was going to play some games with my buddy, Jason Hobbs. Um, we have been talking about doing some duet gaming and he has been interested ...in doing some stuff with Savage Worlds... Um, ...and so we kind of worked on a, an idea... ...a sort of a... ...a kind of sword and sorcery... ...setting... Um, ...of kind of like a, a large... ...kind of... ...decadent imperial city... Um, ...that's sort of... ...you know, in decline... ...but not all the way gone kind of thing... Um, ...and that his character would be kind of some sort of like thief hedge mage kind of guy which i thought was a really cool idea um and uh got some ideas for that and i did some work on the setting um yesterday and i guess a little bit on thursday night too um and, uh, that was fun. I've got a, a number of ideas for it. Um, some kind of interesting, like, uh, not necessarily like plots to play through, but like, you know, kind of ideas of like things that could be happening in the world. Um, and I'm planning on doing some more work on that, maybe using some of the kind of faction generators in worlds without number. Cause, uh, I was looking at those recently and I think they're, quite good, Um, and also they're fairly system agnostic, right? Like a lot of Kevin Crawford's stuff, a lot of it is kind of tables and descriptive tags, and you, the GM, are sort of supposed to figure out how to work it into your um, particular setting Um, as opposed to something like, for instance, uh, Rain, Greg Stolze's Rain, which is a a game that uses the one-roll engine like uh, Wild Talents or Godlike or a couple of others um, and it is specifically designed to have this kind of faction play element but it has a core like whole system for running kind of faction play stuff um, that seems really interesting although fairly crunchy and uh, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about the, the one-roll engine stuff which is to say that it seems interesting but also it seems um, fairly swingy and unintuitive which is basically to say that the you know the way that the probability works seems uh, certainly very difficult to do in your head um, and that's not necessarily a problem if you kind of trust the system um, but I think that takes some kind of time and messing around with it to get there, as opposed to, right, like a, a d20 plus modifier versus a target number is really easy to do as probability in your head, and so you sort of don't, don't need to trust that the dice are going to do their job, right, you can just, you know, do that math in your head, or at least I can, you know, while playing, um, I, I think most people can, and if not, you can use a calculator, right, everybody walks around with a pretty powerful calculator in their pocket nowadays, so... And if you're playing on a VTT, right, you can roll 20. One of the things I learned will do math for you. If you do the slash R to roll, but then you don't put any dice commands in, you can just put like a mathematical formula and it'll it'll do the arithmetic for you. So like if you want to, you know, sum up a bunch of sources of XP and you don't feel like doing some addition in your head or doing addition written out to show your work, you just put it into roll 20, and it'll do it for you, which is nice. It's kind of a cool trick that I learned that I thought I would tell you guys about. Um, anyway, all of that is to say that um, Hobbs and I were going to play, and then yesterday evening um, I uh, started to fade a bit. I'm not entirely sure what caused it. I have been having pretty bad uh, sinus issues and and post nasal drip issues recently um which i suspect is in part related to uh that bodily vaccine response um, because i had most of that pretty much entirely under control with uh, medicine the week before and um, then basically tuesday evening i got a terrific sinus headache and then I've been having uh, post-nasal drip and all that sort of stuff. And I didn't notice it as much on Tuesday evening and Wednesday, but that's probably because I spent most of the day in some form of lying down. Um, but yes, uh, Thursday and yesterday, I definitely noticed it a lot more. And I ended up having a real bad kind of bout of post-nasal drip and uh, ended up taking some Medicine to help clear me up and lying down for a bit, and just kind of ran out of seam and started realizing that I was kind of still fairly sore, um, muscular wise, especially kind of along my arms and especially my lower arms, my kind of forearms, uh, right in the kind of like the area in between your radius and ulna and up kind of from the middle of my forearm, up along into my wrist, and to the like base of my hand was very, very sore. Um, And uh, I'm hoping that that's just uh, vaccine response and a little bit of stress related stuff. Um, But I guess if it's something like carpal tunnel related or something like that, I should get that checked out if it continues. But I feel much better this morning, so I'm hoping that that was just another kind of last gasp of, of immune response and, and soreness. Um, anyway, but I am feeling uh, remarkably good today. I only got about six hours of sleep um, because I... Was trying to go to bed, and then got very, very hungry, and so ate basically a, a not-quite-midnight snack, kind of at, like, 11 p.m., and then crawled back into bed at about 11.20, and was probably asleep by about 11.30, and then woke up at, like, 5.30, horrifically hungry also, um, and crawled out of bed and ate something, and in the process of all of that, was kind of fully awake and was like, okay, well, guess I'm staying up for at least a while, Um, so maybe I'll take a nap this afternoon or something, or try to power through so that I can kind of get my sleep schedule back on track. I feel like if I, uh, you know, maybe do like a little bit of light exercise today, get the blood pumping a bit, and um, if I'm able to do something Kind of a little low key and restful, but not actually sleeping, maybe like sitting, and reading my book for a couple hours, that that might be a good way to sort of move towards a, uh, consistent sleep schedule again, because it's been fairly inconsistent this week with, uh, health issues and all that. Um, anyway, so I didn't get to play last night, which was sad. Um, But I do think it was the right decision, especially, I think one of the things that I was telling Hobbs is that, uh, you know, when I am 100%, I feel like I can kind of, you know, compensate for being underprepared, and when I am really heavily prepared, I feel like I can compensate for being less than 100%, but if neither of those are true sort of very difficult to have everything kind of come together the way I want it to, um, which I think is uh, exactly true, at least for me. Um, And part of that has to do with comfort, right? It's not just um, what you actually kind of need to use in the game. It's also uh, your, or at least my, kind of comfort level in the game, because I feel like the... You know, and this sort of gets into the whole thing about kind of discomfort and irrationality that I feel like when I am underprepared and not feeling 100%, I end up feeling uncomfortable and uh, making not as good kind of on-the-fly judgments and decisions and tweaks and all that sort of stuff. And the game suffers as a result. Um, And that's, you know, that's just sort of the way things are. Um, I think everybody has some of that to some degree. Um, But anyway. um, Oh, the last thing that I wanted to tell you guys about. So I ended up uh, going and uh, you may remember I talked about it a little bit on the podcast. I was having a lot of uh, pain in my left collarbone a couple weeks ago. Um, and it lasted for a week and a half or two weeks. And I had my, my left arm in a sling for uh, about half of that time. And uh, uh, my parents have a, a heating pad that they sent over. Um, so I had that kind of on my, my shoulder and upper chest area to try to get some relief that way. Um, and it seemed like everything was fine and then um on thursday it was the 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 volunteering thing that i tried to do um and i my collarbone just flared up horribly it was it was really painful and i um i don't think it was just the pain that was making me feel nauseated um i think it was also not having taken care of my uh Calorie intake needs, Um, but I I felt like I was gonna throw up, um, which is probably heat and pain and not, and low blood sugar. And also, kind of, you know, after years of basically not being around a group larger than kind of maybe eight people, all of whom are family members, being in a space with a lot more and very frantic people was, uh, uncomfortable for introverts like me, so I suspect all those things were factors, but anyway, um, so I decided I had, when I went to the doctor a couple weeks ago, he said that he didn't think it was broken, but he was gonna, you know, write me a, a referral to go to, um, ARA, Austin Radiological Association, who does all sorts of imaging stuff, um, in this case x-rays just to make sure and I sort of said ah, I'll do that you know in a couple of days if it doesn't get better and then it got better so I was like okay well don't need to worry about that um, and then it got worse again and so it's like ah crap because part of me worried that since it was me you know standing up and doing things and moving boxes of uh stuff around and carrying chairs and stuff that, you know, since I hadn't been doing anything like that, if it was a a fracture, that would obviously not be very good for the bone and would probably react with a lot of pain. Um, and so I went ahead and went to ARA and got an x-ray yesterday. And I don't remember if I mentioned that on yesterday's, uh, check-in um, and then I got a call from my doctor at like 5 p.m., um, which I'm really glad that... I, well, I mean, it was his uh, secretary, I guess, um, who called me um, herself. Not, not. I didn't talk to my doctor directly, um, but I was really appreciative that uh, I got a call at what was basically the end of the workday or maybe even after instead of waiting until Monday. Um, always a nice thing to... Go ahead and get news, um, and apparently the X-ray looks fine, um, no fracture, and also no other obvious issues on the X-ray, um, which I assume means that right because the you know to get the collarbone in the X-ray you get a fair bit of kind of uh, you know shoulder and upper chest and other stuff, um, so I assume that if there were you know like speckled dots or you know anything that would result in a referral to an oncologist that would show up on the x-ray um which is i think i must have been a senior in high school um in in the spring semester of senior year um at one point i don't remember what it was but one of my buddies Uh, Because it was in my uh, multivariable calculus class that, you know, uh, kind of a a number of circular tables and, you know, just sitting and hanging out with my friends. And one of the things that we did in multi a lot was that we would have kind of, you know, sort of traditional class stuff for maybe 30 minutes of the class. But then the next hour of an hour and a half class was sort of, you know, sit and do kind of self-directed learning right that you know you could you know you had the textbook so you could read through the textbook and work through examples and you know there were expectations for homework so you could um you know once you were done with that work on the homework although if you didn't want to work right if you wanted to do that another time it was also sort of a way to recognize right that like you know you guys are either 17 or 18 year olds and basically adults and, you know, need to learn how to make your own decisions about how you're going to spend your time rather than being told how to do it. Because, you know, pretty soon all of you are, or at least, I guess, I think all, I think that's one of the things that my, uh, high school kind of prided itself on was that all of the students at least started a college career, even if they didn't all end up with a degree. Um, But that, you know, once you get into college and you don't have somebody, you know, breathing down your neck to get stuff done, you need to learn how to, you know, do some time management on your own. Um, And so I think it was sort of a reflection of that, too, the idea of, like, you know, here's sort of free time with the expectation that you will, you know, get a certain amount of work done over the course of... You know, several days worth of time, and you can work on the homework then, or you can, you know, kind of hang out and, you know, if you need to take 20 minutes to read your book. I had plenty of days where, you know, classroom is quiet, people, you know, reading or writing or things like that, work on other things for other classes if you need to shift the time around, or even just, you know, sit and take 15 or 20 minutes to you know, read your, your fun book, uh, which is, you know, novels that you want to read, not like, you know, pornography or something. Um, but you know, hang out and read for a little bit just as a like, you know, chance to kind of take a break during the school day, which was really nice. Um, it's a, a difficult thing, right? Cause it's a, it's a balance of sort of responsibility and freedom that uh, goes on with a lot of school stuff and is sort of part of the progression through uh, childhood to adulthood, right? Um, Anyway, but it was nice. But um, the the specific story is that at one point, um, one of the things that would happen is sometimes, you know, my buddies and I, six or eight of us at the particular kind of large round table, wouldn't really talk to each other that much. Um, just because the sort of expectation was fairly quiet in the the room, although it didn't have to be, you could kind of talk quietly if you wanted to. Um, but we, and we did that sometimes kind of have a bit of a chat back and forth while working on stuff or whatever. Um, anyway, but, uh, I don't remember how it happened, but one of my buddies, Tim, uh, pulled out his phone and said, hey guys, take a look at this, and then passed his phone around. And of course, everybody looking at the phone made just a horrific grimace as soon as they looked at the, the image on the phone, which should have clued me into what it was going to be. Um, it's a photo of a skull from a person who died of bone cancer. And... Um, Stop listening now if you get squeamish with descriptions of uh, gore and medical injuries and stuff like that. Um, Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, hopefully everybody who's too squeamish um, has left. Um, Basically, the sort of right half of the skull looked, you know, kind of normal, right? Like a, a skull looks... The left half of the skull, kind of starting at the sort of midline, and then getting more extreme out towards the left side, looked uh, like fuzzy, like the way that kind of crystal growth can look, or, or like mineral growth can look fuzzy, right? Um, to the point of like, like especially kind of inside the eye socket and kind of around on like the the left side of the head and uh, along the left side of the jaw, kind of more and more of this kind of almost crystalline growth. Obviously bones don't have an actual crystalline structure, but they do sort of. Apparently bone cancer can make structures that look a little bit like crystals growing in a cave or something like that. Anyway, was absolutely horrific. Don't look it up, I would suggest, unless you have a, a much stronger um, horror uh, uh, deal with ability, for horror fortitude than I do, because it was like weeks for me to get that image out of my head. Um, and it has uh, stayed with me ever since, like a lot of the various... Horrifying things that I've seen because of being shown by my friends or hanging out on websites where people Show off horrific images that they've found Um, Anyway uh, So there was a little bit of you know not a reasonable fear but uh, uh, Fear and, and anxiety is not inherently reasonable A sort of fear of the possibility of like, what if it's, you know, like bone cancer, right? Like, uh, I'm trying to remember some of the specific examples or even, right? Like, you know, you can get kind of shoulder and collarbone pain from all sorts of kind of issues within the rib cage that you, uh, you know, are not kind of cited at the site of the pain, but are sort of the expression of the pain, right? So like if you have like, uh, you know, issues with your your upper lungs or bronchioles, or like with certain, you know, pulmonary arteries and veins, or with you know, certain stuff around or in the heart, right? You can have like, uh, I'm trying to remember the term, right? Is it pericarditis when the, the sort of Um, material, the sort of sheath of the heart is uh, irritated and and swells up and is is pushing on stuff around it and all that. Um, Anyway, so there was sort of a concern about all that sort of stuff, and I don't know if all of that sort of stuff would necessarily show up on an x-ray, but it seems like if my collarbone was looking kind of fuzzy around the edges because of the sort of bone cancer that this, uh, person who possessed the skull at one point had, um, that that would show up on the x-ray and my doctor would have said, hey, uh, get your ass to an oncologist right away. Um, and, uh, you know, that sort of thing, instead of saying no fracture, I'll refer you to a, uh, a kind of, a uh, a sports, Uh, physical therapist person who deals with uh, shoulder injuries, if you feel like that's necessary. And I sort of said, you know, let's uh, give it a, a couple days and I'll see how I feel. And if it calms down again, because obviously, entirely possible that pain in the shoulder and collarbone was just in part related to the whole, you know, immune system vaccine response. Um, and in particular, one of the things that I had, uh, been looking at and I had been aware of for some time is about, uh, fibromyalgia, which I don't understand that well. And apparently, um, it's one of those things that like a lot of stuff is sort of a, a like cluster of symptoms more than like a specific uh pathogen essentially right the way that like the common cold is not one virus but like a whole shitload of viruses and it's just sort of like a catch-all term for oh you've got a virus in your system that is you know giving you a fever and making you stopped up and making you not feel very good while your body fights it off Right, it's not like there's one virus that is the common cold. At least in my understanding, as I could be wrong because, you know, I'm not a medical doctor or anything. But anyway, um, and my understanding is that, um, right. Also, a lot of mental health stuff is very much like that. Right, mental health and neurodivergent stuff is one of those things that even as much as we know now, compared to what we knew in earlier times, um, we still don't kind of know everything by any means. And in, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of stuff that we know that we don't know about all of this stuff, um, like root causes and all of that. And that's of course, part of the difficulty and part of why, you know, in some ways, everybody needs kind of a, a personalized response to fit the specific issues that they're having both kind of causal issues and symptomatic issues um anyway um which is a whole thing I mean that's like part of why my uh, therapist and I have tried so many different antidepressants over several years um going through kind of different ones I think we've four or five maybe six total different antidepressants over the course of probably three years or so, maybe a little longer. Um, and adjusting within specific medicines too, right? Sometimes, uh, you know, upping dosage of something when it seems to not be as effective, all of that sort of stuff has been a, a factor too, right? To try to figure out what's going to be a sort of stable and successful long-term solution, um, which is, right, doesn't come with a handbook, unfortunately, right? There's no manual that you get. As, as my dad says sometimes, you know, babies don't come with an instruction manual, um, which part of his point being, you know, didn't know what they were in for my parents when having kids, which I suspect is what every parent feels like on some level. Um, right. That you can kind of hear all about all the things that go into being a parent, um, and still be totally unprepared for what it actually takes and ends up meaning to you and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, so fibromyalgia is apparently one of those things that there's sort of a, a set of symptoms that are, are kind of a, a cluster of seemingly related symptoms, but it's unclear to what degree things are kind of all caused by the same root issues versus other issues versus stuff. But one of the things that we do know is that um, there are there seem to be connections between fibromyalgia and certain kind of uh, mental health and neurodivergence issues, um, especially anxiety and depression. And it's one of those things that's kind of, okay, well, does the the regular pain, regular but unexpected pain of fibromyalgia cause people to be anxious about doing things because they don't want to suffer from pain or are like the anxiety and the fibromyalgia both caused by the same source? Right? some some kind of source behind both of them, right some something about like the way that your nerves work, or perhaps is it that being anxious kind of uh, you know conditions your nervous system to be on the lookout for pain and so you have a, a more significant response to otherwise what would otherwise be a less significant stimulus and therefore feel kind of sourceless pain or pain that doesn't seem to have a an obvious source that is based on something real, but is basically your nerves on a hair trigger because you're anxious. So yeah, one of those things that I don't know if anybody knows about all of that stuff. Um, and I guess I could talk to a, a real specialist doctor about that shit, but also... I uh, have used up basically almost all of my medical budget for this month. So I don't necessarily want to... do Well, I haven't actually, but I, I've i got it kind of dedicated to places, right? Not spent, but kind of in the, the pool that's going to be spent sort of thing. Um, so I don't necessarily want to do that right away. Which is one of those things that, you know, I could dip into savings or ask for help from family members or something like that. But I don't want to do that. I I want to, you know, live within my means and all of that. Um, Not necessarily as kind of, I guess it is in a part a pride thing, but it's also sort of a, like a useful pride thing, right? Like a a demonstration of sort of healthy functionality to be able to function in that way without needing a lot of extra support um, in that way I guess obviously you need everybody needs some support sometimes and it doesn't make sense to be silly about support stuff right like the idea of you know not writing notes down because you'll just remember it. Like, that's, that's so fucking stupid. Can't believe I behaved like that for so goddamn long. Just absolute nonsense. Um, similar to, I'm gonna get back to Fiber in a minute, but similarly, I was uh, scrolling through uh, the largest online retailer around. You all know who it is. Um, and, uh, saw a pack of, of high quality origami paper, uh, 200 sheets for I think $6.50, maybe $7. I don't remember exactly. Um, and I did a lot of origami when I was a, a kid. Um, I was really into a lot of paper craft kind of stuff. As a kid I did, um, what... My family ended up calling Arlen's Animals, which was a thing I would do with construction paper, uh, kind of heavier-duty colored paper, and I would use scissors to cut out shapes in the paper, and generally there was kind of one sort of like single body shape, right, like a torso and a neck and head at one end and a tail at the other for a a four-legged quadruped. Um, and then I would fold the construction paper in half and cut out these sort of, you know, mirrored, paired, uh, limb shapes, right? Legs and arms and wings for dragons and things like that. And then you cut a slit in the torso that is, uh kind of perpendicular to where you want the limb to stick out and slide the limb shape through the particular slit and then you can use if you want to reinforce that structure you can put like a, a, a layer of tape across the torso once the the limb structures are through the torso plane because um, that will you know push the the limb structures, right? It will push the legs down, essentially, so that the the construction will stand up, um, and basically have like a little, you know, paper model of like an animal or something. And I would make like hundreds of these um, as a kid. I think it started. My uh, my grandparents would take at least me and my sister, and I think my mom came a number of times too on kind of uh, summer trips to San Antonio, which is uh, an hour, an hour and a half away, not very far to drive. Um, But my grandmother was determined that we needed to be kept entertained. And so she would have these kind of, you know, uh, like, a, like a bag full of arts and crafts supplies. And it seems ridiculous that I would be allowed to use scissors in the car while the car is driving on the highway. Although I guess they were the, the kids' scissors that don't have like a point. But still, it like, seems like you can hurt yourself pretty bad if you were foolish. But I don't know. I also had pretty remarkable manual dexterity for that age i would say at least from memory i'm probably exaggerating it a little bit in memory but who knows anyway and it's not like i was using an exacto knife right kid scissors are a little different than having like a a scalpel or a, something like that but it still seems a little like really Granny, you let me do that shit when i was you know six or seven Anyway, but I would build these constructions out of paper. Um, and then I ended up getting into origami. Um, and that was sort of another kind of stage of things that I did as sort of paper craft constructions. Um, origamis from the, the traditional Japanese art of folding square pieces of paper. I guess they probably use like rice paper or something in traditional origami um and you fold them up and right origami cranes are like the most common thing you can make um but there's a lot of other things you can make with origami um and I probably should go through all of those books that my parents dropped off at my apartment when they said hey uh we're done keeping these in your old room you deal with them <laughs> um Anyway, so uh, I did a lot of that, and in fact, in uh, sixth grade, in middle school, I was in a, a a class, an elective class, that was all about kind of mathematics and art, and so we did like uh, fractals, and um, I don't know if there's a term, right, a, uh, I can't remember the name for uh, word that's the same backwards and forwards but there's sort of also a similar thing that you can do where you kind of write a word that is not like that in a way that when you like rotate it 180 degrees it's the same image right so there's a rotational symmetry to the word image because it's written in a stylized way that was interesting and we did some stuff with that um, and we did origami, and I don't remember how many cranes we were supposed to make, but basically it was it was a fun thing. My, um, I can't remember my teacher's last name for some reason, but um, I remember Lakshmi was her first name, really, really wonderful woman, um, very lovely, and uh, an excellent teacher. Um, and I had her for my kind of regular math class and for this class, um, and what we would do is basically come into class, come into the classroom and sit down and often she would have like a collection of like movies or TV shows or, um, you know, albums of music or whatever. And we'd sort of, as a class spend, you know, five or 10 minutes deciding on something to kind of, you know, have on to occupy ourselves with Often the classroom sort of got divided into like a a kind of two-thirds section that was near the TV or the speakers or whatever. And kind of a one-third section at the back for anybody who didn't really care about that stuff. And maybe wanted to, you know, talk quietly with their friends or something like that. Um, And you just kind of sit and fold origami shapes for like an hour and a half. I guess not a full hour and a half spend 10 minutes of setup, but you know, it was really like surprisingly great. Um, one of those things that I kind of didn't remember that I remembered that particular experience. Um, and in that case we used kind of actual origami paper. Um, but when I was a kid, I would make squares out of printer paper, right? Take eight and a half by 11, letter size printer paper and you take the short side and fold diagonally over so that you end up with a essentially a diagonal fold across to create a line where what was sort of the top long edge of the letter paper crosses vertically now because it's a, a true diagonal right you line up the edges and you crease well so you line everything up well and then you have a line and then you can either crease and crease and crease and crease until you can tear or just use scissors to create a square out of printer paper um but printer paper is not great for origami and i i texted my my family like i can't believe you guys let me be So fucking stupid that I spent, you know, so much time and energy crafting squares out of printer paper instead of just using actual origami paper. Because I'm sure I still have actual origami paper, you know, somewhere, like, buried in the closet in my old room in my parents' house or some shit, right? I'm sure there's plenty of it there that I just didn't use, which is... ridiculous, right? It doesn't make any sense. I can't believe such a, you know, high intelligence, low wisdom child, as opposed to now where I'm a high intelligence, low wisdom adult. But anyway, um, so I went ahead and bought, you know, seven bucks worth of origami paper. An idea being that kind of similar to the writing thing, that that could be like a like a fun right it only takes like five minutes to fold a origami crane if you know what you're doing right maybe even less right I could probably I think at my peak I could probably you know do one in you know a minute or 90 seconds or something I was really good at moving through origami quickly although it's uh not if you go that quickly you end up having you know Folds that aren't as as securely creased and all of that sort of stuff. And so it doesn't look as good and it doesn't You know not as crisp as opposed to if you spend, you know five or ten minutes on it and you kind of Double crease every fold and you know double check every kind of section where you line things up and you know put in the, the sort of focus and the patience to make the the thing make the, the project with a, a higher level of um, diligence essentially that you end up with a, a much a much crisper a much more polished final uh, crane um, and I think it had something to do with one of my Uh, friends uh, a boy at the time and a man now who uh, went to elementary school with me um, and his older sister went to this middle school that he and I both went to in the same grade he and I were both 6th graders um, and his older sister had some sort of uh, heart failure and uh, died when she was in I think 8th grade which at the time when I was in I don't remember 4th maybe 5th grade um, I thought was uh, old but thinking back now right that's like 13 it's really young and, and awful I'm sure for, for him and his parents um, I'm sure just uh, an incredibly traumatic experience in a lot of ways. And I suspect that accounts for some of what I ended up kind of encountering with him at least later of sort of feeling like he was kind of moody and aggressive and difficult. And, you know, to be fair, he was a teenager too, as was I at the time. So, teenagers by themselves are often moody and difficult but in particular to have uh, that kind of an experience seems like that's the whole thing too and I wish that I had been a better friend back then um, because I feel like I, uh, you know somehow not necessarily you know, not my job to solve his or his parents' problems by any means, but also important to look out for your tribe. Right? Anyway. So. All of that is to say that, um, if I remember part of the origami crane folding was that there's a, a, some sort of a, a tradition or a, a folk idea in um, traditional Japanese culture about a thousand origami cranes, I think. Um, I think it's a thousand which is a lot, right? If you talk about 10 minutes a crane, that's a long time. A lot of time and energy, which I think is the point, right? That it's not, it's not really about a thousand cranes. It's about doing a task over and over and over again and getting that level of really, really intense practice, right? From kind of maintaining discipline and focus for that much kind of artistic work that you end up really good at it and that it is good for you um but I think there's an element about like uh maybe like a a wish or a gift or something and I don't remember precisely I guess I should look it up maybe um but I seem to remember that part of what went on with that class was that there were you know 25 or 30 students in that class and part of the idea was that you were you didn't have to but if you were interested you could essentially donate your origami cranes to the the collective crane pool to build up a pool of a thousand and then they got like strung together on a, a string or a wire or something and there's kind of a a central area in the, the building of that middle school, which I assume is, is still in the same building. I guess I don't know for certain. Um, kind of an odd, it's like two stairways that kind of wrap around each other almost, but with a lot of open space in the middle. It's a very weird like 70s design because the, the outside of the building is built like a a fortress because it's on the east side, um, so, you know, gotta build schools that look like fortresses or prisons, um, but that the inside has this weird element there, too. Anyway, it's very, both of the, the buildings that I went to school in for middle school and high school were, kind of had that quality, um, the, the high school building was sort of shaped like a triangle, but the hallways curved and curved kind of inward so it's it's got this it's sort of like points of a triangle but with the sides curving in and I didn't put together until a friend was talking about it that uh, that's probably for line of sight control which is to say that if uh, a school shooter came to that building they wouldn't have clear sight all the way down those hallways, they would have a a limited vision based on the kind of curvature of the hallway. And so presumably, you know, the students in the other part of the building would be able to flee or escape or whatever while the, the shooter couldn't see them, which is kind of a horrific thing in some ways to think about too. Um, anyway, but that's a, I guess that's our politics tax for today. Um, you know, anyway, uh, but they, they, they hung all these, these kind of strands of origami cranes in the kind of central space between the two kind of stairways. Um, in the memory of uh, this uh, young woman my friend's older sister who died when she was probably 13 and now I am twice as old as she ever was at 26 which is a a sobering realization too. But I guess my my idea is that it might be a nice kind of like a like a creative break, if that makes sense. Kind of along the lines of you know the value of taking breaks while working you know, stand up and walk around a minute to get the blood pumping. You know, look at something other than a bright screen to try to reduce eye strain. All of that sort of stuff. Then it might be a nice thing to just have, like a a box of origami paper by my at my desk, or maybe on the the table that sits kind of at my back. I, I my desk is kind of. Uh, I guess if you watch any of my YouTube videos, you sort of have some sense of the layout. Or if you played games with me online and seen my webcam. But I have kind of my desk against uh, one wall in the corner. So there's a wall on my left. um, And then along that wall, I also have what at one point was a a dinner table and is now basically a, a mini painting station. It doesn't get used very much because I'm not good about being disciplined about painting minis. But in the way that I think painting minis has been a, a fun, kind of patient, focused, creative thing to do for me. Um, but the problem is that it's, you know, there's a fair bit of kind of time investment in any given chunk. Especially kind of once you you sort of, right, you... you I guess if you, you had an actual wet palette, I think I bought a wet palette to have not used. Um, this isn't as important. But if you are like what I had been doing and having a, a dry palette, or in my case, a, a makeshift dry palette, right? The paint doesn't stay wet. And so you kind of need to use the paint that you put on the palette, especially if you mix it up to get a specific color. Um, and if you are painting slowly and deliberately with focus, and uh, I don't necessarily paint with as much focus as I should have, but I definitely paint slowly and deliberately because I'm not a good painter yet. Um, That means, you know, 30 or 40 minutes of painting to use up the paint that is on the palette so that it doesn't dry out and, and go to waste, which is one of those things that, I mean, you know, those bottles of paint are not super expensive. I could just accept that I'm going to waste some of it, but I don't necessarily want to do that. That doesn't seem like the right solution necessarily. So the better solution seems to be to carve out kind of a larger chunk of time to work on minis. But if it only takes, you know, five minutes to fold up a crane, right, could have like a stack of origami papers and, you know, as a, you know, take a, a morning break to get some water and stand up and walk around, um, and then have like a, a break at some point in the day that is, I'm just going to, you know, fold up a, an origami crane as like a thing to do something creative as uh, a deliberate Act a deliberate habit during the day, right? A deliberate expression of focused and disciplined creativity, not necessarily for a very long period of time, but for kind of just enough to kind of benefit from that kind of headspace, for lack of a better term, right? That That kind of mental movement And then be done with that and go back to the mind-numbing and soul-crushing work that I do. Which is a joke, to be clear. My my day job is not... Well, it is kind of mind-numbing sometimes, but it is definitely not soul-crushing. It's uh, actually pretty interesting sometimes. I feel like I learn a lot, but I also feel like a lot of the stuff that I learn is uh, things... That are not necessarily not useful, but are, you know, like how to interact with specific bureaucracies or um, like particular uh, companies online, as opposed to kind of more general knowledge that might be uh, better applicable to a, a future career. Um, I guess some of that stuff is general in the sense of, you know, figuring out how to interact with bureaucracies in general because bureaucracies aren't going to go away anytime soon unless a whole lot of other stuff goes away too I guess is the thing right that you know bureaucracies suck but better than the alternative probably and who knows maybe the other stuff will go away and the bureaucracies will stick around right be like you know Mad Max Wasteland but you have to sign for every bullet that you check out from in Morton Joe's armory when you're trying to chase down raiders or some shit. I don't know. Anyway, right, because the bullets are precious, so you, you use uh, needs testing to make sure they don't get used in places that you don't need them, right? Which is another politics comment, but I said we already paid the politics tax, but apparently we there was a bit of extra tax on that one. You know, a bit of capital gains on top of the income. Um... Which is to say that I am at, Jesus, 56 minutes for this section because I don't have control when I'm talking. But this was really good. Um, This was me walking around in my neighborhood. So if there's background noises, um, that's why. And I'm on my phone, so it probably sounds a little different. Um, But I, I listened to... The recording I did yesterday afternoon on my phone like the first minute and a half of it and it sounded pretty good I thought um, it's a little bit of a different uh orientation right now I may have had the phone a little closer to my mouth for that recording so hopefully the sound has come through okay and I guess if not uh you know call in about it and we'll see what I can do About that I know that uh, these headphones don't have an inline mic which is part of why I wanted to get them um, because that way Anchor will use the mic on the phone instead of the mic on the headphone wire Um, and I think the mic on the headphone wire is good if you want to have your phone in your pocket and don't want to just hold it out in front of you to talk to but I don't care about that I I'm fine having my phone held out in my hand in front of me. And also it's a way to communicate to whoever else might be out and doing stuff that I'm not a crazy person talking to myself. I'm talking to my phone. I could be, you know, on the phone with somebody important instead of talking with you guys. So, you know, hopefully that won't bother me about all that shit. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that's going to be the end of this uh section of the journal much much longer than the normal planned sections right i mentioned trying to go for about 10 minutes a day um for daily check-ins or or every other day maybe um if you do almost an hour of recording uh going to end up with a lot of audio, so. Anyway, um, yeah, that's going to be the end of this section, and I think we are going to the outro. All right, well, this one got uh, way longer than I originally intended with that colossal recording this morning, Um, but it was nice. It was nice to to walk around and chat with you guys for almost an hour. Um, I felt like it was, you know, good for me to get out and get the the little bit of exercise that walking around gets you. Obviously, it's not super intense exercise, but it, yeah, walking around for an hour is much better than what I did earlier in the week. So, you know. Um, anyway, so I, yeah, um, I guess it got a little bit grim there towards the end in particular. So uh, sorry about that. Hope that wasn't too much of a downer for anybody. But, um, you know, a little bit of grim mixed in with the happy is uh, often, you know, it's kind of like a little bit of spice on food or something like that. I don't know. Uh, Variety is the spice of life and all of that, Um, which is funny because I am one of those people that uh, is not nearly as attached to variety often. But um, anyway, what was I gonna say? Oh, um, yeah. So hope everyone uh, is doing well, staying safe, staying happy, and having lots of fun gaming. Um, this episode, I guess, will go live in a couple hours from right now, because it's about eight thirty a.m. on Saturday, right now, and I need to hop into the Zoom for the morning Saturday morning cartoons game. Um, but you know, I'm gonna do that in a minute. And uh, yeah, I uh, yeah. Um, so this is sort of an experiment, like I said. Um, we'll see uh, how this works out. Um, I don't necessarily want. To put out kind of this much audio regularly, but I do like the idea of doing kind of regular sort of journal check ins. Um, Maybe I can try to do more deliberately, kind of a a focused, you know, call in for, you know, five minutes uh, for most days and then have room for a longer kind of walk and ramble sort of thing on other days, but I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, I uh, hope everyone enjoys um, calling if you have thoughts on the episode or whatever else, I guess. Um, you know, all sorts of good stuff. I definitely really enjoy getting call ins, and I'm doing better about keeping track of the call ins that I get and, uh, you know, putting them in a draft to keep track of what I get and when and what I want to. Respond to in what sort of episodes and things like that. So, uh, that should be good. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, um, I guess assuming that I go forward with this, um, journal thing, next journal episode will be probably next Saturday. Um, and then, um, we'll do that for a while going forward, I guess, if I want to try it out. Um, I might tinker further with the podcast release schedule with that in mind. Um, because if if there's going to be one journal episode a week, um, two episodes during the week is definitely um, probably doable, but that is a fair bit of, of time and energy. And the whole point was to kind of cut back a little bit so I could do some other things, um, in which case I might yeah, tinker with uh, release schedule plans and all that sort of stuff a little bit, but who knows? Uh, we'll see. I'll I'll come up with something and then let you guys know what I come up with. So, anyway, um, yeah. Hope everyone is uh, doing well. Staying safe, staying happy, and having lots of fun. Staying stand safe, staying healthy, and having lots of fun gaming. Happy is good too, but you know, uh, kind of that's not what I normally say so anyway um yeah I've been the Walker I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland and I will see you next time take care everybody